All right, you football-loving maniacs, time for another episode of Three Honest Lads. Tyler Terrence, Devin Kerr, you know the drill by now. Week number 19 and 20 behind us, episode number 16 behind us. Week number 21 in front of us. All sorts of things in between and on top of us. And on top of me is, is, is this cup of coffee that I'm, that I'm sipping on right now. I don't really know where I'm going with this. All sorts of things coming out of my mouth right now. I don't really know where they're going. But I do know one thing is that Devin Ray is comfortably over in Delray Beach. But he filled me in on some, on some troubling news um, that he did not get a great night's sleep last night. And he goes, I tried some new things. And here I am thinking that he, you know, tried taking some, you know, some natural sleeping medicine, or maybe he just, you know, wanted to, you know, down a half a bottle of scotch as opposed to bourbon like he does before he goes to sleep. But little did I know that he was just talking about the style in which he slept, whether it was with lounging pants or with a T-shirt. And like Devin, he runs hot when he sleeps. And that was just a bad idea from start to finish. Devin, how are you? Sorry to let everybody in on your personal life. No, it's okay. You know, it's, it's something that it's a constant struggle. And I think it's time the public knows that I am fallible. I am a human just like everybody else. And it got the best of me last night. Yes, I fell asleep with a shirt on. That was an accident. Yes, I currently still have on the same lounging pants that caused so many troubles in the middle of the night. They are comfortable again this morning. They were not last night. I do run a little warm. And the pillow... I got one of those new pillows that it's like, it's not, it's a bamboo pillow. I was like, oh yeah, let me buy into this thing and see what it is. I got it on sale, so it wasn't expensive, but it was supposed to be cooling. And it was like, oh, you could sleep on it this way and it's firm, this way and it's soft, this way and it's medium. And oh, you just fluff it and it's nice. And it, it thing sucks, let me tell you that. Neck hurts like hell, stuff like crap. Our pets have the phone off! And there's serious things going on over here in Delray Beach that, I can't even tell you about. And I think, to be honest, the main reason I did not sleep well is I didn't have a drink. Ridiculous. It's this world You did not to. have a drink last night? I did not have a drink last night. I did not have a drink last night. I did, however, put down a 12-pack of Land Shark on Sunday and some nice craft beer. So I felt like the balance, I probably banked some of it on Sunday, and I couldn't necessarily use that every single day. So I've been trying to drink less. And I'm not going to get okay. into how often that's going on, but I think maybe instead of drinking a lot less, I'll just drink less. So instead of drinking, you know, five, six, seven every day and just doing more three days a week, I'll just continue drinking every day, but I'll just go to like one or two drinks. All right. So I have two, two thoughts on, on, on what you just said. Number one is that I can't believe that you're still wearing the lounge pants because like if I was wearing those while I was falling asleep, like if I wear the clothes and I'm running hot, like I toss those clothes like basically out the window. It's more like it's more or less like a ceremony. I just don't want anything to do with them, and I may not find them for another like six months. The second thing is that you know how much I love Jimmy Buffett, and you downed a 12-pack of Land Shark without me. I know. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, I text I, you. Hang on, hang on. Before we, before you start to make me feel bad, I did <laughs> call you Sunday morning, and I said, "How? P- promise you're not going to get mad." You thought it was a joke at first. I said, promise you aren't going to get mad. I kept going down that road. And you go, oh, God, I'm scared. Okay, I promise. I then started to rattle <laughs> off all the wonderful food I was cooking, all the stuff we were going to have. But once again, your love life has gotten in the way. Good news to all the football-loving maniacs is that it no longer involves farm animals, and he has found himself a real 
live person that is an actual female that reciprocates the love that he gives to everybody else out there, except now it's in a physical form. I'm happy for you. Are you enjoying your trip? I'm enjoying my trip uh, delightfully, yes. Um, my girlfriend's roommates are looking at me like I'm kind of crazy because I'm currently sitting in, like, their living room in New York City conducting this podcast, and, and one of them just came in here to, like, make her, you know, make her morning whatever, and I, like, feel bad that she has to, like, come and go while this is going on. I don't really think she understands what's going on completely, but that's okay. That's okay. Um, she right, should, so hang on. To be fair, she should be paying for admission at this point in time. You think so? Yeah, she she's wants to paying, watch. She's already I mean, paying rent, though. She's already paying rent. I, I, it's New York City rent, too. You know, it's not like you're paying rent in, you know, Tulsa. Tulsa Oklahoma. How many roommates? Two. Including your significant other? So there's three people in here in total. Three total. So they're spending $5,000 for a 100-square-foot apartment, and you're in there, too. <laughs> yes, exactly. It's amazing. Yeah, you should be it's, paying it's, them. <laughs> It's like a St. Louis FC sent piece. You know, they're just like everything's crammed down on the goalkeeper. You just hope to God that Lewis Hilton puts in an area where Sam Fink can get his head on it. I mean, that's, that's more yeah. or less what we have going on here. All right. I don't see so, that happening there, by the way. Keep going. You don't see that happening? Not in that apartment. Not, Not with you around. No? All right. Well, that's fair. I, I deserve that. I deserve that. Okay. So why don't we, why don't we track back one of, one of your buzzwords of all time? And we've had this discussion before. I have buzzwords. You have buzzwords. Track back is, is one of your all-time buzzwords. Um, why don't we track back to week number 20, shall we? And to go back to week number 20, um, I believe Wednesday, July 17th, if I'm not mistaken. Correcto? Correcto. Correct. Okay. Lovely. North Carolina SC. 3-0 over Loudoun United. They're able to bounce back after what was a loss against the Birmingham Legion. Swill Park Rangers, 4-3 over Hartford Athletic. And what was what Jimmy Nielsen said, and this is, this is high praise coming from the White Puma. I also take anything that Batman says way too seriously. But he said that Swill Park Rangers put on the best 25-minute performance he's seen from anyone in the USL championship season. And this is a guy who you know keeps an eye on both conferences because he used to have a stake in the Western Conference. So I'm sure he's, he's just always keeping tabs on everything that's going on over there. And Swill Park Rangers sent a couple guys down for Sporting Kansas City. Hartford battled their toughest, but in the end it was Swill Park coming away with a 4-3 win. A couple of self-inflicted wounds from Jimmy Nelson's group, but what are you going to do? Nashville, 2-0 winners over Memphis in Memphis. El Paso Locomotive fall to San Antonio FC and yet another Copa Tejas matchup by a score of 3-1. to one. And then it was Reno coming away with a 3-2 win at Taft against Steve Cook's OKC Energy FC after OKC went up 2-0. Reno make it 3-2, and you saw just the briefest of glimmers of hope. And, and Corey Herzog just reeling back the years at Penn State as a Nittany Lion in Happy Valley, scoring the game winner. Great curling effort towards the back post. And, Devin, I know I'm – getting you all sorts of moist over there with, uh, with my comment about Penn State. You're just heating these sleeping pants up right again. Yes, for all of you that don't know, my entire family is true and blue. Penn State, Nittany Lions, Corey Herzog doing wonderful things. He's actually going to be on Game of the Week this week. And I'm going to let you continue through the scores for a second. And once we get through, let's go through, once we get through, uh, do we want to talk to Phoenix? 
Let's get through. Let's get through the weekend <laughs> schedules. Actually, no. Get through the get through the Phoenix game, and then I want to talk about something that's going on in the West. So you keep going. Okay. Phoenix Rising, Dollar Beer Night, chance to tie FC Cincinnati's record from 2018 with consecutive wins at number 10. Um, I, I'm a you know it takes a big man to admit when he's wrong, and, and I am that big man. Um, Devin predicted that this was going to be a relatively easy game for Phoenix. I, I don't want to say he was right, but he certainly wasn't wrong. He said three nothing three one. Um, why don't we no, no, three nothing four three nothing four one. Three nothing whatever. What I thought you were going to show. Not whenever. It was never done. going to be a two goal difference. It was going to be three. I thought you were going to shut up until I'm done. Thank you. Phoenix Rising six nil over Austin Bold FC, and you know who was in attendance was the Bud Knight. Yes, the guy from the Dilly Dilly commercials who you know was looked like he had to have been sweating his soul out in that, in 105-degree heat in Phoenix. But Phoenix Rising, you know, took this game by the scruff of the neck. However, I will say, I will say that this was a very, very different game after Sion McFarlane got taken off due to injury because Junior Flemings and he were going after it, and it was actually a really, really, really good matchup. And then they bring on London Woodbury, and I don't know if they really had any other options to bring on in that particular spot, but, like, when London Woodbury came on, Junior Fleming's eyes lit up because this is a Junior Fleming that was still trying to get back into the swing of things, coming back from Jamaica national team duty, first start since coming back from the Gold Cup. And he didn't look himself in the first half. Sean McFarland comes out, and Junior Fleming's has a field day. And Phoenix run up the score, another shutout, another multi-goal performance at home on Dollar Beer Night, and this just looks like a team that literally cannot be beat at the moment. We'll move to Saturday. Charleston Battery, 3-2 victors over Hartford Athletic. What a ridiculous game this was. Devin and I literally both fell asleep, took a nap. I don't know if anybody at home realized that when we were calling the game. It was 1-0 to Charleston at halftime. Zico Lewis with a free kick. I have no idea what Frederick Douay was doing on the free kick. And then Hartford somehow turned it around. They get a lucky bounce. Bucci-Gucci gets the scoring started. And then it was just an absolute firecracker for Mads Jorgensen from 35 yards out on the first time off a layoff from Bucci. And then Charleston wake up a little bit after they had more than a two-week break, and they score two goals in a matter of two minutes and end up winning the game 3-2, first loss at Hartford at Dillon Stadium um, since moving in, and Charleston come away 3-2 victories. A a much-needed win for a Charleston team that's going to start to try to find some consistency um, in the second half of the season. Indy 11-2-0 over Loudoun United pass. How about Bethlehem Steel for the first time ever, not only beating Louisville but going to Louisville, and getting a win, 1-0 is the final scoreline. Twitter was a light, was absolutely on fire due to this result, especially considering everything that's gone on in Bethlehem and how much they have sort of just gotten away from results and they just want to pump experience into these young, eager, but inexperienced young guys. Ottawa Fury, 4-0 over Swope Park Rangers. Nikolai Popovich gives a nice uh, big old bird to his former club. Pittsburgh Riverhounds 1-0 over North Carolina FC. Big win for Bob Lilly and the Fighting River Rhinos. Birmingham Legion 4-0 over Atlanta United 2. This is now an Atlanta United 2 team that's given up eight goals, excuse me, given up eight goals, given up four goals, and only gotten one in their past two games. Not a great look. Colorado Springs switchbacks FC after Steve Trichu life. 1-0 over OKC Energy FC. Very good result there for Colorado Springs. Memphis 9-1 FC. And New York Rebels, too, played it with 2-2 draw. Not exactly the goal-scoring bonanza that we saw from John Wall on the next side, but, you know, they go on the road and they get a point. RGV 
they welcome the quails into their, you know, lovely, not so warm home of HEB. And it's, it's warm, you know, literally, but not figuratively. And they get a 2-1 win against Sacramento Republic. And there was a, there was a Twitter thread that was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, Devin and Mike Watson and I have like a little Twitter thread going on. And anytime the fans are, are really getting after it and have some good gifts and stuff like that, um, we usually share it with each other. And this one was probably the best by far of what was going on with Simon Elliott, but we'll stay away from that unless that's what Devin wants to talk about. Tampa Bay Rowdy's 4-1 win over St. Louis FC. Lamar Hunt, U.S. Open Cup hangover is very, very real. You might as well call it the Sunday Scaries. Neil Collins' boys roll to a result. El Paso Locomotive and Real Monarchs tie nil-nil. Let's pass on that one. Reno 1868 follow up that win at OKC Energy FC. They go to Carson, California, and they get a 2-1 win at Los Dos, which is much more difficult than it sounds. Orange County and San Antonio, two teams that are currently sitting where I don't think anybody could have predicted in the Western Conference table. Nil-nil is the final score there. Fresno FC 2-1 over Cameron Knowles' Portland Timbers 2 as they have just continued to drop results left and right. Since the Phoenix game, they have been abysmal, and it's Fresno who comes away with a 2-1 win as they are currently one of the top contenders in the Western Conference right now. It's the Phoenix Rising FC, and that's going to do it for week number 20. Devin Kerr, what is on your mind? There's a couple things going on here. Um, there's an overarching theme to all of this that I'm going to pose you a question that has been posed to me multiple times this week. But first, I'm going to set it up for you. You just talked about all those scores, and let's track back for a second to Wednesday, for instance, and teams like El Paso, who drop another game to San Antonio, OKC, who drop a game to Reno, Reno streaking beyond belief. You talked about Orange County and how things have struggled for them, and T2, who's struggling after the Phoenix loss. Orange County in the same boat. Uh, they've been down as well, and teams are just left and right. It seems like every, every time they're playing Phoenix now, things are getting worse. When you look at the Western Conference right now, Phoenix is a fun one and easy one to talk about. They've won 10 games in a row. They deserve the headlines. Reno has not lost since that 3 nothing Wednesday night soccer game against Phoenix Rising. They have rattled off five in a row. Fresno, hot in their tails as well. Fresno is in that argument. Fresno has actually gone seven unbeaten, five wins in a row, two ties before that. Everybody else, and Real Monarchs, sorry, Real Monarchs won five and they tied the last one. Every other team in the Western Conference has no more than two wins, and multiple teams have one win or less. OKC, one in their last five. New Mexico, none in their last five. T2, actually, none in their last five. El Paso, none in their last six. Austin Bold is heading in that direction as well. The Western Conference is starting to separate itself. We are finally seeing the cream rise to the top. You take a look at the Eastern Conference, and it is a total, total difference. No team in the top ten, and I was referencing the top ten for Western a second ago. No team in the top ten has worse than two losses. That comes in the form of Nashville and North Carolina. Nashville, I don't remember. I know one loss. I can't remember the other one. North Carolina's losses a bit up and down. Everybody else, Charlotte Independence, they're streaking. Charlotte has gone seven unbeaten. Charleston Battery, I get it. People are going to look and go, oh, they only have one loss. Yeah, and they only have one win, but they only have one loss. That's the important thing here. They'll say, oh, you know, only one win, only one loss. Remember that. Everybody else making a run for it. There is 19 points different right now between the Bethlehem Steel, who are sitting at 11th at 22 points, and Phoenix Rising, 
who are sitting at 43 points. You're finally seeing that in the West right now. Phoenix rising at 41. San Antonio in 11th at 24 points. So the question I'm going to ask to you, Tyler, and I'll give you my answer after it as I've given multiple times this year, is the Western Conference as good as the East? People are saying to me, they're not diminishing what Phoenix has done, especially in the way that they've done. Their question to me, which I am now passing on to you, is do you think the Western Conference on a regular basis competes with the East? Mm. I didn't realize you were going to drop this kind of bomb on me before 9 a.m. Um, I've, right. I've gotten it all week. That's why. I know. Um, okay. So my knee-jerk reaction is no is no. And there's a couple of reasons, because while you were going through all this, and I think it was very well done, by the way, uh, just want to give you that nice little compliment um, before we dive elbow deep Thank into you. this. So a couple of reasons why I think it took the West to separate themselves a little bit. I think that the two teams in, in the Western Conference are more difficult to figure out. The two teams get more surprise results in in the Western Conference than, than in the Eastern Conference. Like, Swell Park Rangers and Atlanta United have just been abysmal for the entire year. But, like, Los Dos and, and RGV, and, I mean, Tacoma obviously is not tough to figure out. But, um, you know, T2, Monarchs, like, Monarchs weren't in the playoff picture until, like, the past few weeks. So, as far as the separation is concerned, I think that's a big reason why. Um, whether or not the East is as good as the West, or the West is as good as the East. And, and it's interesting the way you pose the question because you're basically saying everybody already knows that the West isn't as good as the East. Is that, is that fair to say, or is that that's the general consensus? So that's the way the question is being posed to me. I will give you my answer and how I said it after, but that is how it was posed to me. Okay, okay. Um, all right. So, the, so what you and I have talked about, especially on the show before, is that the defensive side of the ball takes, it takes precedent over everything in the Eastern Conference. Um, you look at Tampa Bay. You look at even Indy 11. Um, they, have a, they have a plus 16 goal differential. Of course, Nashville, Pittsburgh, Louisville is very good defensively, or at least have been in, in recent years. Charlotte has really started to lock things down. Um, you know, St. Louis before the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup, rarely giving up goals. Um, defensively, these these teams are are much, much better. If you go to the West, it's a bit more offense-focused, right? I mean, there's much more attacking play. I mean, Phoenix Rising is a plus-35 goal differential. You know, they have have a better goal differential than most teams do goals in this league, um, which is kind of scary. So with that said, I think that the majority of Western Conference teams – have not seen defense like the Eastern Conference. So for that reason alone, if you were to have cross-conference matches going on throughout the year, I think the East would do wildly better than the West. That's, that's my knee-jerk reaction. However, I will say this is that you could, go, you could go on the other side of the coin and say that, well, Eastern Conference teams haven't seen attacking like the West. And that's true for some teams, but I think on the whole that – the Eastern Conference, because of, their, because of their organization on the defensive side of the ball, are probably better on the whole than the Western Conference, save for a few teams. Sir? We done? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I want everybody to record the next part about what I'm about to say to Tyler right now. 
Tyler, I agree with you. Um, <laughs> yeah, you know, people were asking me about it, and and the the way that initially came to me was in the form of, wow, Phoenix rocked Austin. Is Phoenix that good, or is everybody else in the West that bad? Let's start with this right now. This isn't a hot take. We're just over halfway through the season. I understand that their record is not as good. It's one game different in terms of wins or losses. But right now, on the eye test, Phoenix Rising is the best team in the USL Championship, either the Eastern Conference or the Western Conference, bar none. All you Tampa Bay Rowdy fans out there, I think what Neil Collins is doing is insane. I think it is ridiculously impressive how good you guys are on the defensive side of the ball. I think you have the best defensive squad in the league. And it's already setting itself up where, okay, let's just take Tampa Bay and Phoenix and throw them in the final and call it a day. That would be an insane final. The difference for me is where you were leading. It's where Tampa Bay's only lost once this year. North Carolina went into town on June 8th. They, they put a 3-1 trouncing on them. And North Carolina is not exactly a monster on the offensive side of the ball. They show you glimpses. Tampa Bay shows you glimpses. I just want to give you an idea offensively, Tyler, of what they've done. Outside of the dismantling of St. Louis FC this past weekend in 4-1, which was brilliant, by the way. Honestly, start to finish, an amazing 90 minutes from the Rowdies. You get a goal on the road against Pittsburgh. I get it. That's a difficult place to play. Beat Swope 3-1. Good for you. You beat Ottawa 2-1. Eh. You beat Bethlehem 2-1. Eh. You tie Battery 1-1. Eh. North Carolina beat you 3-1. Eh. That's, in, that's basically entire June and July. So, like, you have draws in there against teams. When the battery come to town, I'm sorry, they're not as good on the road. That was a shorthanded, Noah Tula-Garela, international duty team that could not get results. We just talked about it. But they found a way to get one against you. If you're the best team in the, in the league, why aren't you getting a result there? How are you beating Swole Park Rangers one nothing at home, but you beat them 3-1 on the road? Explain that to me. Explain how you go to Indy 11 and draw, and then the week before, you tie Charlotte Independence. That's a Charlotte Independence, mind you, at that point in time, was still McGinnis. So your best wins, by the way, are over subpar teams. You beat Hartford 4-0. You beat Atlanta 4-1. You beat St. Louis 4-1. I understand St. Louis has a lot of potential. They haven't won a game since April 27th. That is why you are not the best team in the league. And when you funnel down for the rest of the results between the East and the West, you're, you're spot on. Defensive units, yes, they're better in the Eastern Conference. In the West, I don't want to say defense is non-existent, but it's a lot easier, and you and I talk about this all the time, it's a lot easier for me to point to where they are good at in the offensive third as opposed to how they can break down teams in the West. Here are your top four in the Western Conference at the end of the year. Phoenix Rising, Reno, Fresno, and people might not agree with this one, and that's fine. T2. I still think T2 is going to be a top four team. If they aren't a top four team, I did say at the end of the year. So those are probably going to be your semifinals. That would be my money. That would be my guess. Could El Paso get in there? Yes. Could Real Monarchs get in there? Absolutely. I am slowly losing faith in the likes of Sac Republic, New Mexico, and OKC. I love all those guys. I picked Sacramento Republic to come out of the West. I thought they were going to be the, the, the uh, regular season champion. That's just not panning out. And on a regular basis, the East is more consistent in their run of play, and they look better than the West. 
I want to be very clear here. This does not take anything away from what Phoenix Rising has done because not only have they won, they've done it with style. No, that was I was just it's not yes, that's what I was just referencing for the Tampa Bay Rowdies. I'm glad that they only have one win on their year. And yes, it takes character and determination to get you to that point. But you aren't beating Austin Bold six nothing. You aren't going to arguably one of the most difficult places to play in HEB Park and getting a one nothing victory. You're not coming from behind or playing down a man against teams in the playoff race against OKC and T2. You aren't going on the road and beating the second-place team in Reno 3 nothing. You're not doing that. And so when you circle back around of all of this, I can legitimately say four teams with that fourth position, maybe you fluctuate one or two. I can look at the Eastern Conference right now, and outside of one team, maybe, maybe two, that is how the Eastern Conference is going to finish at the end of this year. And your argument would be, oh, well, nobody else has an opportunity. No, it's not, not that nobody else has an opportunity. I said the cream rises to the crop. The difference is, is that you've got a cup of coffee in the Western Conference, and you've got an espresso in the East, a latte. There is a lot of cream on the top of that. The foam is all coming to the top. That's why Tampa, New York, Indy, North Carolina, Louisville, I couldn't tell you any of those teams that could win the East right now. I can tell you Tampa Bay Rowdies have, a, have the best opportunity to get the most points. But Red Bull 2 is five back. I mean, Red Bull 2 now knows how to win on the road. Everybody should be on notice. That's a problem. This is a team that has gone to the Eastern Conference Final every single year with like two, three, four wins in their bag on the road. That's not the case anymore. So all you fans at home that are arguing and think you know what's going on, you are sorely mistaken. And the one thing, and Tyler, this is my last comment, you will agree with this, the one reason why people, and it's great, I love the passion that they like to make this argument, but the one reason why they make this argument is because they are uneducated about what's going on in both conferences. Not only from a fan base, but from coaches and players, most of them do not know what's going on in the East or the West. I promise you, fans do not either. agree with everything that you're saying. So I have two questions off of that quickly before we move on to, to week number 21. So, I mean, just looking at New Mexico right now, sitting in ninth place on 26 points. Ninth place, they're 15 points off of Phoenix. And I went on the New Mexico United uh, curse cast right before the Minnesota United game. And they asked me the question, and one of them, I forget whether it was RJ or Dave, I forget who said it, but one of them was staunchly, staunchly, staunchly against the U.S. Open Cup. And when you're in the heat of the moment, and I, and I said to him, and I, and, I, and, and I said to him, I was like, what are you, a communist? You don't like the U.S. Open Cup? You don't like the fact that your team is, is in the quarterfinals of, of this sport's greatest tournament from top to bottom in this country? And he was like, I just don't like losing points in the league. And, and now we're at July 23rd. Open Cup is done. St. Louis never really had a shot against Atlanta United. I mean, yes, they had a couple of chances here and there, but they just got played off the field. New Mexico United, same thing. Was it worth it? You only got $12,500. You split that with, you know, you split the 25000 with St. Louis, and you're 15 points off of first place. You're in danger of not even making the postseason. I don't think that that's going to happen. But, like, quickly – is it still worth it now that, now that the mystique of, of, of being there is gone? Yes, 100% it's worth it. 
It, you can even multiply it times three or four because they're an expansion club. Yes, it's worth it. Yes, it's worth the exposure. Yes, it's worth the experience. And remember that, that person that's saying, no, it's not worth it, and this is an interpretation, and that's fine, but the person that's saying, no, it's not worth it, come off season, people want to go play for your club. You, you're an independent team. You are not Real Monarchs. You are not T2. You are not Los Dos. I'm just referencing teams, not their quality. You are not a, a second team. You are an independent that right now, I can promise you this, right now, if you pulled players in the Western Conference and said, who would they like to go play for, I guarantee you New Mexico United is in one of the top three. So Troy Lassane will find a way to pick up results down the stretch. It may not be the New Mexico United we saw at the beginning of the year. There needs to be an evolution there. But he will find a way to continue to get results. They'll get in the playoffs. They'll make a run. Now the question becomes, what do you do in the offseason with that momentum you built? Take a look at all the runs you've seen in the past few years, Tyler, in the Open Cup. Those teams are still relevant, one of which is not here anymore. They're in MLS, FC Cincinnati. Sacramento Republic made a run, not, not just this oh, year, but last year. Is, is FC Cincinnati in the MLS? <laughs> I, last time I checked. <laughs> <laughs> Don't even get me started. <laughs> but, yes, you know, to, quickly, yes, it, it's worth it. What was the second question, or was it combined? Um, so just to be clear, I agree with you. I always think it's worth it, but I just had to pose the question to play devil's advocate. Second question comes from Brian Cook, um, who, who just continues to give us all sorts of thought-provoking questions. And again, if you have questions, um, if you have questions, send them to us. We will answer them. I mean, Brian Cook is like literally the only one who, who's giving us who's giving us questions, and we'll answer them. So with all this talk of the West and the East, um, Sam Dore, the um, the one of the VPs from um, from Phoenix, posed the idea of an All-Star game last year, and everybody was totally on board. Um, so Brian Cook asked the question, is that still a good idea? Is the league big enough to do an East versus West, or would you need to bring in a foreign team? I think the latter part of that question, I, I think 1,000% the league is big enough. I would love to see an all-star game between the East and the West, but I also think it would be fun to mix the two and bring in, like, a Liga MX side and bring in Chivas, bring in Club America, and bring in Tigres while they're in the preseason because it would be right now. Um, but I, I love the idea of an all-star game. Um, it should be... You know, like it, it should be in that break that, that you and I have both, you know, heavily agreed on that should be implemented within the season, just like the MLS does, you know, for an international break. USL doesn't really have just a week or two in the middle of the season where you're just off. Like, you just need to be off. And the guys who are playing in the All-Star game, you load the roster up, you know, you have 23 people on them, you're rotating guys, they're not really running all that hard. Like, you know, it, it's just fun. It's just fun. And teams are going to play friendlies during that time anyway. Um, but I'm, I'm all for the All-Star game. I think it would be great from a broadcast standpoint. I think it would be a lot of fun. We could mic up the keeper in the middle of it like they do for the MLS All-Star game. I think it would be a blast. Yeah, I think an All-Star game is super cool. The arguments you're going to hear from coaching, management, and the USL championship is how do you organize it? And the reason I say that is, and I'm not saying I'm, I'm against this. I'm just, like you said, playing devil's advocate, is – if you give a two-week break, where does that two-week break come? Does it affect international players? What if an international player gets picked for the All-Star game? Which one is he going to choose? In that two-week break, you now extend the season. It comes either you start earlier, you finish later. If you start earlier, you go into preseason earlier. If you finish later, you run into playoffs for MLS. Now you're jeopardizing TV coverage. You're also continuing the run into other things such as NFL. 
Um, basketball hasn't started at that point in time. Baseball should be finished. Um, those are going to be the big issues. I, I wonder from an overall kind of product standpoint what that looks like. I remember midseason last year, I tweeted out and I did my best 11. Imagine doing a best 22 and either A, it's we're going to do a best 11. We're going to play the best 22 on both aspects. It'll be best 11 each side, and we'll just name the starting guys. East versus West is probably a better product because of what we just talked about, the styles and how that transition is probably a bit simpler. Uh, best 22, we'll call that as in the same best East and West, except we're going to combine them on the one team and play international team. Not sure what that looks like. I understand that talent's massive, but there is something to be said about the system you play in. And outside of probably T2, Fresno, and Phoenix, you could probably throw Reno in there as well. And to be honest, a lot of good players are coming out of those to go to the All-Star game. I don't necessarily see the styles matching appropriately with the East. Same thing, you can go with the East and the West as well. Imagine some of the guys in the East having to, to run 100 miles an hour. I mean, stick Luke Spencer in the New Mexico United trying to, trying to pump it down your throats 100 miles an hour every single time out. That, that's going to put some serious fitness on them. Um, so I'd be curious what the overall product look like. I think the idea is there. I definitely think it's something we explore and in the long run would be good for the game, especially because it goes back to what I said. It bridges the gap between what goes on in the East and West. I think fans will pay more attention because at the MLS level, you do not have that. Most people in the East know what goes on in the West and vice versa. All right. Fair enough. Okay. Let's move on to week number 21. Um, start out with a good one, uh, um, today. No, not today, tomorrow, Wednesday. Um, Orange County and Reno. That game is going to be <laughs> game is going to be at 4 p.m. Um, that's, that's, your, that's your Wednesday. <laughs> that's your Wednesday uh, Wednesday early afternoon soccer. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a it's not a great look uh, for the for the for the league's marquee game of the week. I'll just say that because you can't really say much at this point because I feel like you've said enough. Um, but yeah, I mean, like they're doing it at, so that, wait, I thought it was at one o'clock. It was one o'clock over there. Yeah. It's four, it's 4 PM Eastern time. Um, I mean, it's a camp game, you know, they'll have a big crowd. Like Bethlehem Steel did this, you know, and, and, and they still, they still were trying to do it this year, but something got moved to the game, but like they'll bring in a bunch of campers and they'll have their like best crowd of the year because they bring in 700 screaming seven through 12 year olds. Like, it's wild, but, like, it, should that re, that's just a normal game. That doesn't need to be the game of the week. Like, I don't know. Whatever. Moving on. Atlanta United 2 and Charlotte Independence. That game's going to be from Fifth Third Bank. I got my money on the fighting Mike Jeffries. Tulsa and Los Dos, I quite honestly don't really give a shit. Uh, Tacoma and Las Vegas Lights FC. That game is going to be from Tacoma. Um, Las Vegas, wake up. Um, Sacramento Republic and New Mexico United, a battle of who's been more disappointing this year. Um, when it comes to league play, uh, big game there. How about Friday, July 26th, New York Rebels 2 and Tampa Bay Rowdies, Eastern Conference Final Preview? Yes, no, maybe so. One word answer, go. No. Okay, moving on. Saturday, July 27th, Hartford Athletic and the Pittsburgh Riverhounds, Jimmy Nielsen's group looking to bounce back after back-to-back losses against Pittsburgh, who's coming off of a great 1-0 win against Dave Sarkin's North Carolina FC. Speaking of NCFC and Salem Stadium at Wake Med Soccer Park, they're going to be playing host to Atlanta United 2, who is 
Um, you know, they, they've sucked as of late. There's no getting around that. Birmingham Legion and Charlotte Independence, that should, that's a must-win for Mike Jeffries at Birmingham. Uh, I know that it's a short turnaround, but that, that's a game that they need to win if they are going to make the playoffs. Nashville and Indy 11, big one here. Eastern Conference semifinal preview, yes or no? Oh, God, I hate saying yes. Um, Just say it. Say it with your chest. No. (laughs) (laughs) You're just saying no to say no now. Say it with your chest. All right. You want yourself, you want yourself, uh, you know what? You found yourself. Go ahead. It's not going to make any sense. You're an idiot. Swill Park Rangers and Charleston Battery um, pass. Austin Bold and Fresno. That's a decent one. Top four matchup right there. That game is going to be from Bold Stadium, 8.30 Eastern time kickoff. Memphis 901 FC and Ottawa Fury. Memphis coming off of a loss. Ottawa coming off of a win. Uh, Let's see who's going to keep it rolling either direction. St. Louis playing host to Bethlehem Steel. St. Louis, uh, they, they they owe Bethlehem one because Bethlehem smacked them around. Um, at Talent Energy. San Antonio, no. Yes. No, 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 no. Did they? I got my games confused. No, I was thinking, I was thinking Big Stadium, Rent, Bethlehem, and Hartford. No. Scratch what I just said about that. I'm an idiot. San Antonio UFC and Real Monarchs. Let's move past that. Okay, we got, <laughs> San- <laughs> got Darren Powell and the Monarch. Shut up. I love you. Keep going. (laughs) Tulsa and Phoenix. This is for the record. This is for history. Phoenix Rising looking for number win win number eleven in a row. Do they do it? I think the answer is pretty simple. I think it's a yes. Dev. Yes. Okay. Orange County and Sacramento Republic, another good one there. Uh, another game that Sacramento and Orange County can't really afford to lose. Tacoma playing host to OKC Energy FC, pass. Uh, Las Vegas playing host to RGV, pass. And Reno playing host to Colorado Springs Switchbacks. You know, I don't want to say pass again just because I sound like a bit of a, you know, I, I sound like a bit of a, you know, whining willy. But at the same time, I just, that game just doesn't really tickle my fancy. Pass. Pass. Sunday, loud and you uh, Sunday, Loudon United and Louisville. That's not a terrible game, especially considering it's at Audi. Um, so we got that. that. We got that going for us. And then T2 and Los Dos. That I will also pass on. Um, but not to say that T2 doesn't desperately need a win at home against the uh, iffy team in Los Dos. Devin, thoughts, questions, concerns, hopes, dreams for week number 21. I'd like to key in on two specific matchups here, actually. Let's start with Western Conference, Saturday night, 8.30. Real Monarchs at San Antonio. And the reason I bring this game up is a couple. Number one, we talked about Real Monarchs earlier, unbeaten in six. They actually had five wins in a row until the tie this past weekend. San Antonio is starting to figure things out a little bit. And, and not only figure it out, but more importantly, this game that they're playing against Real Monarchs is at home. San Antonio only has one loss at home. They're 5-1-4. and four. They're literally just below the playoff line. They're sitting in 11th, 24 points. They do have a game in hand on OKC in front of them, but they've played quite well. Um, two wins, two draws in their last four. 
I think that could be a really interesting matchup and what could continue this great momentum that we've seen for Darren Powell. I'm also quite interested in the Fresno-Austin game. The reason I said that is we talked about how, you know, the East and the West. Notice I didn't bring Austin up in an argument of either that four spot or one of the two teams that could be in there. Someone could counter-argue that against me. I would respect that argument. The only reason I say it is Austin defensively is a really good defensive team at home. This is a team we're going in. Remember, back on April 17th, I said Phoenix will have their hands full. I understand Phoenix wasn't themselves, but they will have their hands full. This team is a total different animal. 6-1-3, and three, for some reason, the confines of Bold Stadium, it's just something totally different. So as a squad, you had a not-so-bad-of-run-of-form coming in where you got results against the likes of T2. You beat RGV on the road, and you beat Orange County. You get rocked by a team sitting above you. How do you respond? You know, how do you handle that? Because around the corner, they have an opportunity to pick up points. They play New Mexico on the road, and then it's Los Dos and Tulsa. So maybe some momentum against Fresno could get them going. And for Fresno, I don't want to say this is going to prove to me that they're for real. I think they've done enough to showcase the fact that they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the West. But now you have to go on the road and go to a place that only one team has been able to get three points out of the entire season. They struggled with them back in May. They got a one nothing victory, and it was a game, to be honest, when watching it, wasn't overly impressed with Fresno. Cutis LeWall on an 84th minute winner, you know, kind of pulled them out from that. They were touch and go. Recently, they've been much better. But now, can you go on the road and beat a team that at home defensively, most teams have not been able to break down? I like those two matchups. And the last one, just a quick one. I want to see what um, Hackworth boys do on the road. Allowed one of the teams in the, in the two-team category that can throw a million looks at you. You and I have seen it. And Louisville coming off a loss. Kind of the same thing, except uh, that Fresno is dealing with, except they've got the, the L in their column. They have to go on the road. And it's Sunday night. You know, you extend your weekend a little bit more training, but it's also a little bit frustrating because the next week going to be short. How do you respond in that manner? All right. Fair enough. Um, all right. So that's going to do it for this episode. Again, Brianna Slabs on Twitter, um, BriannaSlabs at gmail.com. Email us your questions, concerns, tell us we suck. Whatever it is that you want. Devin, any parting words for the football loving maniacs? Not much. Um, hope you all enjoyed the British Open. I got to see some of it. I was working too much. I feel lonely. One honest lad over the seas. One honest lad continues his two-week sabbatical up north, and I'm just sitting here drowning in games. It's only getting worse. More games in the future. There's no hope in sight. Um, stay thirsty, my friends. It's not a sabbatical. It's just a happy coincidence of scheduling. Fuck off. You had two weeks and two weeks. Get the fuck out of my face. Easy. Easy. You got to drop one earlier, and I'm at the end. The odds that anyone's made it this far, actually, they're pretty good based upon upon listing numbers that I've looked at. I did not drop one earlier. You did. I said shit. I did not say fuck. There. Oh, that's twice. That's twice. (laughs) And we're, and we're still sans our producers, so that's definitely making it in there. <laughs> we need him back, desperately. Mm. Desperately. Mm. Uh, but good news uh, is, okay, hang on, good news is, give, give them a little preview. We've got a, a nice interview lined up for Thursday. Do we want to talk about who it is? 
No. Okay. We'll give you a hint. We'll give you a hint. It's a team in the USL championship that is in the playoff hunt, and they play soccer. Not good right now, but they play. They play with Mays. They play with Mays. Love it. All right. Bye. Football Love and Max. We love you. Peace. Thank you.